Act One, Part Three of the Torchbearers by George Kelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Florence looking round at Hasafas. Ready? Hasafas in the center door. Yes, I'm ready. Mrs. Pampanelli to Florence. Go on. Florence repeating her former business of putting on a dead latch. Dead latch. Spindler having again assumed his rigid military attitude. Click, click. Florence turns and crosses again between the piano and the table. Florence with a glance at the center door. You can come out now, Clyde. They've gone. She continues to her former position at the right of the little table at the left. Hossafras steps resolutely through the center door, gives her a wicked look, glances toward the door at the right, then strides forward and plants himself directly opposite her, his head thrown back, his eyes ablaze, his arms akimbo. Did you come here to make a scene? Florence languidly and without turning. Have I made one? What are you doing here? Florence raising her hand to enjoin silence. Shh! He turns abruptly and looks towards the door at the right, then back to her again. I want an explanation of this. Florence turning to him and rather casually. So do I. Mrs. Pampanelli standing at the right of the table below the piano. Oh, more imperious, Florence, dear. Florence and Hasafras look at her. More of this. She lifts her shoulders, eyebrows, and chin to illustrate her idea of the general hauteur of the line. Much more. Florence vaguely. Don't you think she would cry there? Mrs. Pampanelli looks at her steadily for a pause and thinks. Then she rests her lead pencil on the table and tilts her head a bit to one side. Do you want to cry there, dear? No, but I can if you want me to. No. Personally, I think she's speaking more in anger than in sorrow. You see, dear, you are impersonating a wronged wife. Now, you yourself, Florence, darling, are an unmarried girl. It is difficult for you to realize how excessively annoyed with her husband a married woman can become. I think I would take it with more lift. More of this, you know. She repeats her former illustration. Florence endeavoring to imitate the manner of delivery and speaking in a deep, tragic tone. So do I. Perfect. Hasafras turning to Mrs. Pampanelli. Go on. Yes, go on. Hasafras clearing his throat and trying to summon his attack. <clears throat> what is your reason for sneaking into my office at this hour? Is it necessary that your wife have a reason for coming to your office? You wanted to embarrass Mrs. Rush? That was it, wasn't it? Mrs. Pampanelli waving her hand toward them with an upward movement. Tempo, children. I wanted to meet my rival. You could have met Mrs. Rush under more candid circumstances. Mrs. Pampanelli moving towards them in front of the table. Tempo, children. The present one suited my purposes better. Hasafras turning away impatiently. Naturally. You wanted a scene. He starts over to the right, but Mrs. Pampanelli is standing right in his way. So he stops short, but maintains the physical tautness of his character. Florence, too, has turned away to the left and is moving across in front of the table towards the armchair. Mrs. Pampanelli, oblivious of Hasafras, 
and still making her upward waving gesture over his shoulder tempo florence suddenly becoming conscious that she is obstructing hasafras's cross and stepping below him i beg your pardon hasafras bowing stiffly not at all he continues over to the right and stops right in front of spindler and they stand looking into each other's eyes while mrs pompanelli comes up at the left of the table to the piano florence sitting down in the armchair i think if i were a scenic woman i've had ample opportunity during the last fifteen minutes to indulge myself hasafras still looking into spindler's eyes you did i think mrs pompanelli beckoning to spindler mr spindler i had the pleasure of hearing you was it a pleasure clyde mrs pompanelli still beckoning to spindler mr spindler hasafras whirling around and glaring at florence it appears to amuse you spindler steps below hasafras and passes up in front of him to mrs pampanelli who whispers something to him florence unfastening her neckpiece i have an inopportune sense of humour you should be able to appreciate the situation you created it florence looking over at him i didn't create her husband hasafras making a little gesture of annoyance <laughs> i'm afraid i'm stuck he tries hard to think and mrs pampanelli makes a gesture toward mrs fell to give him the line but nelly is occupied in telling ritter a story but don't tell me he feels for the line again and mrs pampanelli tries to attract nelly's attention i guess i'm gone <laughs> suddenly nelly bursts into a fit of laughing having made the point of the story what is the line nelly ritter nudges her mrs fell stopping suddenly in her laughter and hitting him with her fan <laughs> stop that get on your job you're holding up the show nelly looks excitedly towards mrs pampanelli what is the line nelly please what oh i beg your pardon is somebody stuck mr hasafras got another mind blank oh well now just wait one moment please till i see where i'm at she searches frantically through the manuscript oh yes here it is ritter indicates a place on the page she pushes his arm out of the way ah i didn't create her husband teddy and twiller laugh no dear we've just passed that i've already said it's that it's the next now line mrs fell vaguely and looking through her lognon and spectacles at the manuscript oh have we passed that the next line after the one you just read oh i see now where we are the next line after that is you've all been listening to a lot of damned cheap gossip that's it asafras to mrs pampanelli that certainly is my jonah line you've all been listening spindler goes around to the right and sits on the piano stool looking nearsightedly at the music Asafras turning to Florence and assuming his character again. You've all been listening to a lot of damn cheap gossip. He starts to cross towards the left, passing between the piano and the table. But Mrs. Pompanelli is right in his way again, so he is obliged to stop short and wait. Which should show you that people are talking. Mrs. Pompanelli turns to see why Asafras is not picking up his line. Mrs. Pompanelli stepping out of his way i beg your pardon 
she circles down at the left of the table again asafras continuing over towards the mantelpiece my fault one or two old women perhaps will it confine itself to those asafras turning at the mantelpiece and coming back to the middle of the room well i can't control that have you tried asafras whirling upon her and literally shouting no mrs pampanelli standing at the right of the table below the piano excellent asafras turning and bowing briefly to her thank you very much resuming the scene with florence and i don't intend to people will always talk it may as well be at my expense as anybody else's mrs pampanelli leaning towards him across the table and speaking with poisonous sweetness anybody's else dear beg pardon would you say anybody's else it sounds better asafras turning back again to florence it may as well be at my expense as anybody else's mr spindler's elbow slips off the piano onto the keyboard striking a perfectly villainous chord and causing everybody to turn and look in that direction mr spindler please spindler adjusting his goggles which have been slightly dislodged by the incident i'm sorry mrs pompanelli turns back to hasafras never mind mr hasafras it will come your position can't afford it hasafras taking a step towards the right i've given them nothing to talk about no he stops abruptly and turns and looks at her what he takes a couple of steps towards her florence rising please clyde she crosses in front of the table at the left and goes towards him mrs ritter gets up from the partition seat and comes down to the table at the right below the piano you're not talking to your office boy mrs ritter picks up the little chair from the left of the table and starts back again towards the centre door let us get to the point very well what brought you here to-night he turns to see the cause of the movement behind him excuse me florence florence bows and smiles and you too mr hosa froza don't mention it mrs ritter places the chair in front of the partition where she has been sitting then crosses to the piano and gets her sewing-basket returning with it to the chair and sitting down to sew not to quarrel with you for one thing you wanted to embarrass mrs rush that was it wasn't it not at all you misunderstood me i said i wanted to meet mrs rush teddy comes in through the centre door from the right hallway and sits down on the partition seat at the right teddy is a frail little wisp of a youth around twenty in dinner clothes he has big eyes and good teeth and laughs on the slightest provocation his forehead is defectively high and his thin hair is plastered back and brilliantined his type is always to be found draped upon the banisters or across the piano in the houses of the rich a kind of social annoyance created by wealthy connections and the usual lack of available men what did you want to meet her for twiller steps through the centre door from the right hallway and whispers something to mrs ritter she answers him and he steps out into the hallway and fills himself out a glass of claret from the bowl then goes up and sits on the landing of the stairway and watches the rehearsal why i thought that we three might reason together he holds her eye for a second then turns away and reaches in his various pockets for his cigarettes 
concerning our respective futures. Asafras in a lowered tone to Mrs. Papanelli. Forgot my cigarettes. Never mind, I only want lines. Go on, Florence. Asafras takes an imaginary cigarette from an imaginary case, replaces the case, taps the cigarette on the back of his hand, puts it in his mouth, strikes an imaginary match on his shoe, and lights the cigarette. I've deferred the discussion for a long time, but it may as well be today as tomorrow. Your plan didn't work out very well, did it? Oh, yes, very well indeed. Although hardly as I had anticipated, thanks to her husband and your lies. He blows out the imaginary match and tosses it onto the floor at the right, then snaps his head around and glares at Florence. Mrs. Pampanelli glances down onto the floor, as though to assure herself that Mr. Hossifrost hasn't really thrown a lighted match onto the carpet. You've evidently told this boy here that Mrs. Rush is your wife. I've told him nothing of the kind. He starts to cross again to the right, but Mrs. Pampanelli is again right in his pathway, standing in front of the table below the piano. Mrs. Pampanelli stepping below him and going a step or two nearer Florence. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon? He continues over to the table below the window at the right and stands there pretending to smoke. Then you've allowed him to think so. Hasafras looking straight ahead. That's business. Perhaps it is. It has at least allowed you to be present at the passing of Mrs. Rush. She turns and goes towards the back. Mrs. Ritter calls her to her, and they start discussing the hang of Florence's skirt. Hasafras whirling around. You are deliberately misinterpreting this situation. He starts to move across towards her, passing between the piano and table. Yes, you are. It's perfectly ridiculous that a physician cannot take a woman patient without being subjected to the whisperings of a lot of vulgar scandal-mongers. Nellie Fell goes into violent laughter at something Ritter has just finished telling her. Florence and Mrs. Ritter continue their discussion of the dress, and Mrs. Pampanelli tries by dint of gesturing to attract Florence's attention. Florence, dear, please florence turning suddenly continuing her lines oh i beg your pardon <laughs> she moves slowly towards the mantelpiece this is not a romantic age clyde mrs rush is a patient of mine florence moving down at the left towards ritter and mrs fell she may have been originally mrs fell bursts out afresh over something else that ritter whispers <laughs> Mrs. Pampanelli flicking her finger at Nellie. Shush, Nellie. Mrs. Fell to Florence, who is standing looking at her. I beg your pardon. Hasafras standing in the middle of the room. She is now. Florence resting one hand on the armchair. I'm not disputing it. He turns away and stands at the left of the table below the piano. But she must have a very persistent malady. Just one minute, Flossie. One minute that hasn't responded to a treatment of more than six years. Flossie, Flossie, Flossie. Florence stops and looks at her. Just a minute. She looks sharply at her manuscript. What is the matter, Nellie? Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I thought she'd omitted a line. To Florence. I beg your pardon. Go on, Florence. Ritter says something to Nellie, and she hits him with the manuscript. 
not to speak of the innumerable changes of air that she's enjoyed. Mrs. Pampanelli, standing over at the right below the piano, takes quite a little coughing spell, and Mrs. Ritter promptly gets up and goes out to the punch bowl to fill her out a glass of punch. At your expense, and under your personal escort. Asa Frost looks over at her. She raises her hand understandingly, and starts slowly across in front of the table towards him. I have the day and date of the majority of them, so you see, your chivalry is a bit trying, under the circumstances. He looks straight ahead and tries to look sullen and defeated. Mrs. Ritter, up in the center door, holding aloft a glass of punch. Betty! But I haven't come here to reproach you, or to plead for your return, not at all. I think you love this woman. Mrs. Ritter coming a little further forward. Betty! Mrs. Pampanelli has another coughing spell. And in that case, I want to offer you your freedom. Careful now, children. Mrs. Ritter comes forward to the table at the left and tries to attract Mrs. Pampanelli's attention to the glass of punch. If you want it. Mrs. Pampanelli holding up her forefinger. One, two, three. Asafras snapping his head around and shouting at Florence. Well, I don't want it. Good. And I see absolutely no occasion for such talk. Mrs. Fell drops her bag and reaches for it. You are probably more broad-minded than I. <gasps> Nellie Fell utters a piercing little shriek, having almost fallen off the chair in reaching to pick up her bag. Everyone turns and looks, and Teddy laughs as usual. What's the matter, Nellie? Mrs. Fell straightening up with Ritter's assistance and laughing. <laughs> I nearly fell off the chair. <laughs> Mrs. Ritter laughs and returns to the center door and stands. Go on, Florence. And really, I don't think your freedom would be a very good thing for you. You have a form of respectability that requires a certain anchorage in the conventions. But unless you can reconcile yourself in the future to a more literal observance of those conventions, I shall be obliged to insist that you take your freedom. Look at her, Mr. Hossifross. Beg pardon? Mrs. Pampanelli, with a touch of impatience. Look at her. She begins to cough again. Oh, yes, yes. He turns and glares at Florence, who is standing just a couple of feet away from him. Mrs. Ritter holding the glass of punch aloft again. Betty! I have a couple of growing boys. Mrs. Pampanelli passes right up between Florence and Hassafras to Mrs. Ritter and takes the glass of claret. Who are beginning to ask me questions which I find too difficult to answer, and I will neither lie to them nor allow them to pity me. What do you want me to do? Mrs. Pampanelli handing the claret glass back to Paula who goes to the bowl and refills it, and the notebook and pencil to Teddy. Just a moment. She turns and comes forward in the middle of the room. Florence turns and moves over to the table at the left, and Hassafras remains standing at the table at the right. Just one moment. Listen, Florence, dear. She uses her handkerchief, then stuffs it into the bosom of her dress. I want you, if you can, to make just a little bit more of that last line. Within the limits of the characterization, of course, but if you can feel it, I'd like you to give me just the barest suggestion of a tear. Not too much, 
but just enough to show that, under all her courage and her threatening, she is still a woman and a mother. You see what I mean, dear? More emotion? In that last line, you were doing splendidly, darling. Turning to Hasafras. Both of you. He acknowledges his excellence with a short bow. But I have always felt that that last line was really the big moment of the play. It seems to me... She toys with her necklace, narrows her eyes, and looks away off. That it is there that she makes her big plea for her boys, for her home, for every woman's home. And even though that plea is made in the form of a threat, somehow or other, I seem to hear her saying, sub-vocally, of course, in God's name, don't make it necessary for me to do this thing. She concludes this speech rather dramatically, her arms outstretched. Mr. Spindler, at this point, engaged in a too curious examination of the keyboard, accidentally touches D-flat above high C. Everybody turns and looks at him, but his consciousness of guilt does not permit of his meeting their eyes, so he remains bent over the keyboard in precisely the attitude he was when he struck the note. Oh, go away from that piano, Mr. Spindler. Mrs. Ritter comes forward at the left with a dish of cakes and a glass of claret. Mrs. Pampanelli withdrawing her eyes witheringly from Spindler and turning back to Florence. Do you see what I mean, dear? I think I do. Do you want me to go back? No, that's quite all right. We'll take it right from Mr. Hossifross's line. She turns towards Hossifross, and Mrs. Ritter takes advantage of this circumstance to offer Florence a cake which, of course, is declined with thanks. Then she turns to Mrs. Pompanelli and waits till the lady has finished directing Hassafras. What do you want me to do? Mrs. Pompanelli turns back to be confronted with the cakes and claret, and she takes both. Then she and Paula move back towards the center door. Hassafras clearing his throat. <clears throat> what do you want me to do? Paula gives a shriek of laughter at something Mrs. Pompanelli whispers to her. Then Paula goes out through the center door and offers Twiller, who is still sitting halfway up the stairs, some cake, which he accepts. And then Teddy, who declines, and finally, after taking another one herself, sets the plate down on the hallway table and resumes her chair up at the left, while Mrs. Pompanelli, cake and claret in hand, wanders forward at the right, passing over between the piano and the table below it. I've already told you. Then I suppose I'm simply to decline all women patients in the future. She makes a little sound of amusement. Or else submit them for general approval. He now presses the imaginary fire out of the cigarette on the imaginary tray on the table. Stick to your guns, Clyde. That's the only thing I see to do. Mrs. Pampanelli stands over at the right, watching the scene, and eating and drinking. Your tenacity is commendable, but it's a lost cause. Looking at him steadily. I appreciate your embarrassment. Hasafras turning to her, thrusting his hands into his coat pockets, tilting his chin, and looking at her with an absurdly perky expression. I'm not embarrassed. Desolation, then. Hasafras stamping his fingers at her. Ha! He swings rather jauntily across and up towards the mantelpiece. 
More nonchalance in the cross, Mr. Hossifrost. Hossifrost turning to her suddenly. Me? More savoir-faire, as we say in French. She illustrates the idea with a kind of floating gesture of the hand. I see. He continues over to the left and down towards Ritter and Mrs. Fell, endeavoring to execute Mrs. Pompanelli's idea by raising his shoulders, stiffening his arms, throwing his head back, and swinging his legs as he walks. Nellie Fell is whispering something to Ritter behind her fan, so that when Hassafras reaches them, he is obliged to touch Ritter on the shoulder and suggest with a nod and a smile that the exigencies of the play require that he shall sit where Ritter is sitting. So Ritter jumps up and tiptoes across in front of the table and up to the piano where he stands leaning and watching, particularly Mrs. Pampanelli. Florence moving to the table below the piano. But I shall be magnanimous, having loved and lost myself, so that, really, it may not be nearly so difficult as you imagine. Asafras sitting on the chair vacated by Ritter. Well, I can't say that I relish to prospect with any such misunderstanding as this between us. Florence crossing to the table at the left. It's the portion of half the world, Clyde. Twiller gets up from the stairs and comes down into the right hallway, where he stands watching. Hassafras trying to look sullen by resting one elbow on his knee and hunching his shoulders. It certainly isn't a very inviting one. <laughs> Nellie Fell starts to whisper something in his ear. But it has its compensations. Mrs. Pampanelli, having finished her cake and claret, sets the empty glass down on the table below the piano and uses her handkerchief you'll have your memories and i shall have the wisdom of disillusionment the telephone bell rings up in the left hallway mrs ritter jumps up places her sewing basket on the chair and touching her hair comes forward quickly at the right to the table below the piano as well as the consciousness of lots of company mrs ritter speaking directly to mrs Pampanelli. Is that my cue? Florence stops and turns and looks at her. Which cue, dear? Mrs. Ritter taking a step towards Florence, and with a little questioning, bewildered gesture. The telephone is my cue, isn't it? Mrs. Pampanelli with a touch of impatience. No, darling, you're not on in this scene at all. Go on, Florence. Mrs. Ritter puts her hand to her cheek and looks from one to the other in puzzled embarrassment. Florence turning and resuming her lines to Hassafras, who by this time is deep in conversation with Mrs. Fell. For there are a million women exactly like me. Mrs. Ritter bursts out laughing. So does Teddy. Twiller reaches over the partition and flips Teddy on the head with his handkerchief. Jenny appears in the left hallway to answer the telephone. Secondary women. She moves around above the table and stands just above Hassafras. So don't look so tragic. You haven't lost anything but a lot of time. Mrs. Ritter, turning to Mrs. Pampanelli. Oh, I beg your pardon. She leans across the table, explaining to Mrs. Pampanelli, who tries politely to silence her by suggestion that the scene is in progress. I thought it was my cue. Jenny at the telephone. Hello? And that's always lost when it's spent on things that are insusceptible of conclusion. Mrs. Fell, bursting into a perfect shriek of laughter at something Hassafras has just finished telling her, 
and pushing him away from her. <laughs> Huxley Hossifrost, <laughs> you are perfectly dreadful. <laughs> he laughs, too, and attempts to tell her something else, but she turns away and waves him aside. No, no, no. I was thinking of something else, you know, and when I heard the telephone, I thought it was for me. No, dear, that is your own telephone. Jenny, at the telephone still. Just a minute. Mrs. Ritter turns towards the back of the room. Oh, so it is. Directly to Ritter. I knew I had one telephone cue. She goes laughing through the center door and on out into the right hallway. Jenny trying to attract Ritter's attention. Mr. Ritter! But Ritter is absorbed in watching Hassafras. Florence stands waiting for Hassafras and Nellie to stop laughing, but as it doesn't look as though they will ever stop, she gives Hassafras a little dig in the shoulder with her finger. He straightens up abruptly. Florence prompting him. I've lost her. Mr. Ritter! I've lost her. That was inevitable in your case, Clyde. You have a conventional soul. Jenny asks Teddy in pantomime to attract Ritter's attention. Hassafras in a tone intended to express abysmal despair. I've lost you. Ritter bursts out laughing. Teddy reaches out and indicates that he is wanted on the telephone. Jenny holds the telephone up, and he steps quickly out into the hallway to take it from her. That was incidental, eh? But it seems to me there should be some other way. Florence moving to the right above the table. There is, my dear boy, for lots of people. Ritter at the telephone. Hello. Jenny goes out. But not for you. Yes? You're too respectable. Physically, I mean. <laughs> she laughs a little and stands above the table looking at him. Well, wait a minute. I'll talk to you upstairs. He sets the telephone down and starts towards the right to go upstairs. As he passes the center door, he speaks to Teddy, who is still sitting just inside the center door on the right partition seat. Hang that up when I get on, will you, Teddy? Teddy jumps up and goes out to the telephone and holds it, waiting till Ritter gets on the extension upstairs. And Mrs. Rush has what it appears to me to be a rather primitive husband. Asafras gives her a narrow look. And you have a very modern wife. So be wise, Clyde. You know what usually happens to him who loves the danger. There is a loud knock at the right door. Asafras jumps to his feet and stands looking fearfully toward it. Florence assumes all the dignity at her command, drawing herself up, placing her right hand upon her throat, her left on her hip, and waiting. The proud but outraged wife. Mrs. Pampanelli holds up both hands and looks in the direction of the door to impress everybody with the dramatic value of the situation. Teddy hangs up the receiver and stands watching her. Nellie Fell straightens up briskly and sits watching the door in expectant attention. Then Mrs. Pampanelli makes a gesture to Florence to go on with her lines. Go into your office. I'll talk to this woman. Asafras drops his head and shoulders and slinks across in front of the table, a beaten man. He continues up to the center door and out into the right hallway. The knock is repeated at the right door. Mrs. Pampanelli motions to Teddy, 
that this is his cue to open the door he comes through the center door and crosses above the piano to the right door mrs pampanelli at the same time moving over to the armchair at the right and enshrining herself teddy opens the door and mrs ritter swishes in self-consciously nelly fell and mr twiller give a little ripple of applause but mrs pampanelli holds one finger up toward nelly and shushes her mrs ritter is wearing a rather bizarre-looking hat set at something of a challenging angle and as she comes forward to the right of the piano she bursts into a self-conscious giggle but mrs pampanelli reproves her with a look so she controls herself and crosses below the piano teddy simultaneously crossing above the piano she stops at the corner of the piano and rests her left hand upon it then she places her right hand upon her hip and tilting her head back looks at teddy who has stopped directly above her ritter appears on the stairway and moves down a step or two watching his wife narrowly mrs ritter flipping her left hand at teddy in an attempt to give a fly impression hello kid hello mrs arlington mrs ritter swishes down towards the left shaking her head from side to side and holding her arms akimbo she turns around to the left gives florence a look supposed to be a very contemptuous look and stands in the middle of the room again facing teddy mrs ritter speaking directly to teddy is my sweetie in ritter moves slowly down to the landing of the stairs watching his wife as though she were some baffling phenomenon no ma'am he ain't mrs ritter drawing her shoulders up and speaking in a high unnatural key what he went about six o'clock why i had an appointment with him he might be back maybe but i can't wait unless i'm certain that he's coming back he was expecting you mrs ritter still shaking her head and trying generally to appear bold yes i know he was turning to the table at the left back of which florence is standing i suppose i'd better leave a note for him she indicates the table with a waving gesture of her left hand you'll find that green one's the best pen mrs ritter stepping to the table thanks she looks at florence who gives her a withering look over her right shoulder and turns away to the mantelpiece at the left then mrs ritter gives her idea of a scornful laugh ha 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 ritter sweeping his hand across his brow groaning and falling down the stairs into the right hallway oh my god mrs pampanelli seeing him fall and jumping up oh my dear everybody turns twiller trying to catch him hold it spindler rushes past mrs pampanelli and out the center door into the right hallway teddy jumps into a kneeling position on the right partition seat and looks over the partition florence and mrs fell rush up to the center door and try to see what's going on nelly dodging from one side of florence to the other and peering through her lorgnon are you hurt old man Asafras handing his cane and gloves to spindler hold these please spindler takes them and Asafras prepares to assist twiller to lift ritter from the floor get some water somebody spindler rushes out the left hallway mrs pompanelli sweeps up from below the table at the right to the center door mrs ritter bewildered in the middle of the room as mrs pompanelli passes her what is it betty now don't get excited paula mrs ritter steps frantically across to the piano and turns leaning against it looking wide-eyed at nelly fell lift up his head 
Mrs. Papinelli, looking eagerly out into the right hallway. Is he hurt, boys? I want to get him under the arms. They lift Ritter onto a bench in the hallway. Nellie Fell turns away from the center door with an exclamation of distress. We'd better lay him right here. Is it Fred, Nellie? I don't know, dear. Mrs. Papinelli addressing Hassafras and Twiller. You can lay him right here, boys. I think it'll be as good as any. What is it, Florence? Did Mr. Ritter fall downstairs? I think so. Mrs. Fell, covering her eyes and swaying. Oh, dear child, don't. Florence puts her arm around her and guides her towards the armchair at the left. Give me one of those pillows, Teddy. He hands her a pillow from the partition seat where he's kneeling. Mrs. Fell sinking into the armchair at the left. Betty, I think I'm going to faint. Mrs. Pampanella turning to her. Sit down, dear. I'll get you some water. Calling and beckoning out into the left hallway. Jenny, dear, come here, please. Hassafras rushing across from the right to the left hallway. I think you better call Dr. Wentworth. He snatches up the telephone and works the hook violently. Yes, I would. She turns around to the left and stands looking questioningly at Mrs. Ritter. Go on with your lines, Paula. Well, is he dead, Betty? Mrs. Pampanelli with a definite little gesture of her right hand. Never mind. The curtain commences to descend, and she sweeps forward. We will go right on from where Mr. Ritter fell downstairs. The curtain is down. As it rises again for the picture, Hassafras at the telephone. Lands down eight, please, right away. Spindler rushes in from the left hallway, carrying a glass of water, and followed immediately by Jenny. Twiller is ministering to Ritter. Mrs. Pampanelli is standing in the middle of the room, facing the center door, and holding up both her hands as a signal to the various artists that the rehearsal is about to be resumed. So they quickly step to the various positions in which they respectively were when Mr. Ritter fell. Mrs. Ritter addressing Teddy. Yes, I know he was. I suppose I'd better leave a note for him. End of Act One, Part Three